Grace, you and peace be to you. Grace and peace be to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today is from the first epistle of John, the third chapter. You may be seated. My friends in Christ, I love All Saints Day. I do. It is one of my favorite days. And it was true before my father died. But I love it because there is something mystical about this day. And I don't mean mystical as in the magical, like hokum pokum, but mystical in terms of the mysterious. Where there is something about this day in which we can truly understand that we are joined together with the church that has gone before us and the church that will come after us. And I love this day because it's kind of like it's, it happens right at the altar. Where everything we are and everything we do as the church comes together in this one spot as we share in the feast of the body and blood of Jesus Christ where we join in the prayers of the saints and the songs of the angels. We sing with all the company in heaven and on earth. This is a wonderful day. It is good to dwell on this, to think on this, to be in this, to just kind of sit in this for a while. Because, well, I have news for you. Sooner or later, Someone's going to be remembering you, too, on All Saints Day. And that's a joy. What we do now teaches the church, which is still coming, about what to do in the future. Now, this isn't like Dia de los Muertos, where you kind of remember those family members of yours, and, and you know, it's, there's kind of this thought that if once they stop being remembered, they pass off from this paradise place into something kind of like, either like nothingness or something like heaven. One of the two kind of depends on who you're talking to. It's not that. We don't remember those saints because they, they, get, they get feel good because we're remembering them. We remember them because they've taught us something. They've taught us what it is to live in Christ. They've taught us what it is to persevere. They've taught us what it is to go on in all of the joy in Christ that we have. Even as the world is coming against us, whether we be martyrs, whether we be persecuted, whether we die naturally, whatever it is, we live in Christ. And those who have gone before us are constantly pointing us back to that, that we live in Christ. But we honor them. We honor all the saints, whether it be Philip, the first martyr after the coming of Christ, or whether it be one of the latest ones who have died in China or in one of these other countries that is persecuting Christians by the thousands. We honor them because they are showing us what life in Christ looks like. We honor Augustine. We honor Luther. We honor Aquinas. Chemnitz, Walther. All these famous people who have taught us so much of what it is to believe, what it is to have faith, what the content of that faith is. This is a glorious day when we are singing with Adam and Eve and Noah and David, all the prophets. We are singing with them too. This day we are all together in one place, the mystical body of Christ. 
And that is a joy. And we are joined in this body because of what Jesus has done. We're joined in this body because Christ has taken you from this wicked world and has adopted you as a child of God. That's love. Throughout John's writings, whenever he talks about love, he doesn't talk about it as if it's an emotion. He doesn't even talk about it as if it's just some kind of action that we put out there. When John talks about love, he has one very clear thing in mind. He reveals it in his gospel. Because the same John who wrote the gospel of John also wrote these epistles. And he defines what love is in John chapter 3. That the Son of Man would be lifted up on the cross, just as the fiery serpent was lifted up on the pole for the Israelites, that all who would believe in him should have eternal life. And so what does he say? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Doesn't mean he so loved it. It means for God loved the world in this way. God showed what love is in this way. And he sent his son to die. So when John in our epistle lesson today says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, he's talking about Jesus. See what kind of love that the Father has given to you in the self-sacrifice of the Son's body and blood for you, that you should be called children of God. And so you are. By the very shedding of the body and blood of Christ, you have been cleansed. You have been redeemed. You have been welcomed into that mystical body of the church. Isn't that a joy? By the very love of God, you have been grafted into the true vine. You have been made his own. You have been adopted as sons, inheritors of the grace that comes to you through the death of Jesus Christ. You are the children of God. And if you doubt that, for even for a moment, remember, the very blood of Christ has washed you clean in your baptism. The very blood of Christ comes to you in the supper. It washes you clean. The very blood of Christ comes to you through the word of God itself and makes you clean. Washes your robes, making them white in the blood of the Lamb. But my friends, you know as well as I do, we've been adopted as children and yet still the world doesn't recognize that. If the world knew who we were, the world would lift us up. The world would give us all good things. The world would put us on a pedestal. It would give us the best food, the best shelter, the best clothing. It would take care of all of our needs. If the world knew that we were children of God, we would be honored above all people in the world. But the world doesn't know us. It doesn't see that God loves us, that we are His children, that we have been redeemed by His blood. The world doesn't see it, and the world doesn't recognize us as the children of God because it doesn't recognize God Himself. It never would recognize Jesus. 
In fact, so much so, not recognizing him as not just a son of God, but as the son of God, the world conspired to torture and murder him. And so they did. The world does not know who you are. The world does not know that you will persist into life everlasting. The world does not know that God has welcomed you into his kingdom because it refuses to know God. There is an entire invisible world that cannot be perceived by the world. Angels and archangels and all the company of heaven The world cannot see this. It will not see this. It refuses to see this. But you may see this. Again, this is another reason why I love All Saints Day. Because as you're sitting in the pews, and I don't get to do that very often anymore. But as you're sitting in the pews, you can almost imagine as the people stream down the aisle up to the altar, they are walking with the entire mystical, invisible church. The saints and the angels are gathered together in this place as we sing and praise God, as we receive the body and blood of Christ. You may perceive this world. The world will never do it. You may understand that you are joined together with those whom you love, saints and angels alike. But the world will never see this in you. And that's okay. Because you're still God's child. What the world does or does not see, it doesn't matter. It is what you perceive. Perhaps not with your eyes, but by faith. What the world expects out of you, what the world expects out of what you would give to it, it doesn't matter. What matters is what God has done for you. And so you are God's child now. You are. You have been grafted in. You have been adopted. And yet still at the very same time, What you will be has not yet appeared. It could be that it is for you to die. It could be that for you, Christ will return and before you die, and that would be a glorious thing too. But let's assume that we're all going to die for a moment. Every saint before us has died. Every saint before us is waiting in the ground for the resurrection of Christ. In this world, What this looks like to be adopted as a child of God is to be washed, to be cleansed, to live, to grow older, to decay, to die, and the decay truly sets in then. Your skin and your muscles slough off your bones. The bugs and the worms come in and eat that which is left. It doesn't look very happy, does it? When I think of decay, I think of the Nazi from Indiana Jones, you know, who opens the Ark of the Covenant. You guys remember this movie? Opens the Ark of the Covenant and his entire body begins to melt and so you see the layers disappear from him. That's kind of what happens to you. The layers disappear to you. Your body decays. And soon you are like just bare bones in the book of, Elijah, in the book of Ezekiel. Elijah. <laughs> For some reason that didn't come up. I can't remember now I can't remember which E prophet it is, but regardless, you end up going down into the dust. From dust you come, and to dust you shall return. And the world says, See? See, if they were a child of God, 
Why would God treat them like this? That they decay into nothing? That they be persecuted? If they were a child of God, I couldn't touch them. If they were a child of God, nothing could happen to them. If they were a child of God, they would rescue him. That's nothing new, my friends. Even to Jesus on the cross. If he's truly the son of God, come down and save yourself. Friends, the world sees things that, well, aren't really there. Because the very reality is, is that God has saved you. Regardless of how we decay in the ground, regardless of how we be translated from this life and into the next, if Christ should return first, the world will not see anything of your salvation. But you may know that it is true. You may know that it is true. Your salvation is assured. You are in Christ. What you are is not enough. What you will be has not yet appeared. What is it that you will be? You will be like him. We go through the decay of this life. We go through the decay of death so that we may appear as he is. Glorified. Perfected. Whole. As Christ was raised from the dead on the third day, so too will you be raised out of your grave to live forever with him and all of the saints. That's a glorious thing. This very body in which you are in right now will be raised from the dead. And it will be made perfect. I don't know if that means that I'll have hair. I don't know if it means that we'll be thinner or taller or what. I don't know. I do know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it took his very word for Mary to recognize him. She thought he was just a gardener because she couldn't see him through her grief. And all of a sudden he speaks her name and peace is upon her. And in peace, she sees her Lord. Could it be that Jesus' body is somehow changed in the resurrection? Absolutely. Could it be that Jesus' body is the very same that it was as he went into his death? Absolutely. Aren't the holes still there in his hands and his feet and his side? Whatever it is, we know that our body is going to be perfect. It will be joyful. What we will be glorified, perfect, holy, righteous has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, when our Lord returns from heaven, to make this earth what it should be, to bring you up from the dead so that you may live forever with him as it was intended to be. We know that when he appears, you shall be like him because you shall see him in peace as he is. And everyone who has his hope in him in this way purifies himself. It is not your act that purifies you. It is the hope that you have, the faith that you have, the trust that you have in Jesus Christ, which is a gift of God. That is what purifies you. That is what brings you into eternity. That is what gives you hope. Even as you go into the ground and the dirt is poured on top of you, you have the hope that what you will be is still coming. And that is the very same hope that the saints who are in heaven at this very moment still have. 
We'll be remembering a few of them in just a few minutes by name. Some of these saints who have that very hope of the resurrection, that very hope that they are crying out to God and saying, How long, O Lord? Hurry! And we pray the same thing. Even our table prayer, Come Lord Jesus, has nothing to do with the idea that we want to set aside a place for Jesus at our table and have Him eat with us. We want Him to come. Rend the heavens and come down. That's what we're praying for. That's what the saints are praying for. That's what we are praying together, even in this moment, even as we gather together to receive our Lord's body and blood and communion. We are praying that someday we do not receive this by faith, but by sight. That's what we hope for. And that hope is more sure than anything else, for Christ is raised from the dead. In fact, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And if he's risen indeed, as you said, then you too shall rise. Whether the world sees you as a child of God, you are. You are. You have been claimed by him and you will dwell with Christ for all of eternity. This is the love of God for you. This is his promise for you. And you may be counted with him forever. Blessed all saints day to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.